This is Podco Media Networks. Hi there, Glocal Citizens. It's Florence Adu with the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around doing something in the world. Today, my guest is Adem Ajaho. I love how that sounds. It's a nice <laughs> ring to it. <laughs> she is a writer, educator, and traveler. She's also the host of the new podcast, Vamejo Yeah, which we will learn a bit about moving forward in our conversation. I'm also still in Iceland. <laughs> so I found a Ghanaian here in Iceland. Isn't that wonderful? Adam, let's get to you. Yay. <laughs> To our listeners, I met Adem years ago yeah. in Ghana when I first moved, probably about the first year when I first moved. Mm-hmm. We were at a YouTube huddle, I think. Yeah, YouTube yes. huddle. And so then when I was doing some research, my last guest, Jules, was like, oh, do you know Adem? And I was like, I do. So I reached out and it's like, oh my gosh, I knew you're a traveler, but now you're here mm-hmm. in Iceland. Yes, I am. So tell us a little bit more about you and what you do. Okay, so well, you've said it. I'm Ghanaian. I was born and raised in Ghana, studied in Ghana, my undergraduate in Ghana, and then went to the UK to study. So my background is in tourism. My first degree was in tourism. My master's was in e-tourism. And then I moved back to Ghana after my studies and went into advertising for a bit. I was working for Ogilvy for a bit. Transitioned into human resources because I felt that Ghana wasn't quite ready for my skills at the time. So I didn't go back to do tourism because I studied e-tourism. So this was at a time where, you know, technology was really showing its face and people didn't really know what to do with it. So we're talking 2004. And then I switched to human resources. But then going into human resources was always in the works because when I was studying in Ghana, I had a lecturer ask us, I think when second year or first year, if we knew how to do CVs or how we were preparing for the job market and we were clueless. We just all wanted to get the grades and just, you know, get on with sure. it. That meeting with her had a shift with for me because she said, okay, you guys come back in the evening. I'm going to show you guys how to do CVs and, you know, prepare for interviews. So that was a light bulb moment for me. And I kept thinking, wow, what if people didn't know Dr. Vanessa? What about my friends who are not in this class, Mm -hmm. who have the benefit of, you know, getting her inside? What would they do? Mm -hmm. So then I decided, okay, yeah, I'm studying tourism. I love it. I love to travel, but this is something worth looking at. Maybe I could be that person who could understand a bit more about this and coach my friends. And so even when I was in England studying my master's in tourism, I was always at the careers office picking up books, you know, volunteering, doing all this. So when I came back to Ghana and I felt that the tourism industry wasn't ready and everything I heard on the radio at that time is so weird was how graduates are not ready for the job market, how this, and it's still to this day, it's still the same song that people are singing. But I think more and more people are, you know, providing opportunities for people to be relevant with what the world of work requires. So then I ended up when I left advertising, advertising was like a transition period. So I've been not this person who is always multi-passionate, mm-hmm. thinking, okay, I can do this, I can do that. So advertising was good. I learned a lot. It was also a way for me to network when I was in Ghana. Yes. And also, as a child, I wanted to be a writer. So I went into adver- advertising thinking that I'll be a copywriter mm-hmm. and ended up being in account management. 
Mm-hmm. So I did that for a while and then I moved on and went to set up a company where I was helping people with interviews, with jobs, with their careers and had like a mini career service. So mm. that's how it all started. And mm-hmm. two years after starting my company, the British Council was looking out for trainers locally. They wanted to train local trainers instead of flying people into mm. Ghana to train. And I applied for it and I got like a, a side gig whilst I was doing that, you know, sure. a startup thinking that, okay, everything is going to happen and focusing on student doesn't, they don't always have the money exactly. to pay, you, you know, exactly. so I had that on the side with the British Council and I went on to work with them for over 10 years and also being an intercultural master trainer for them, helping people transition into other cultures and stuff. Still having my company on the side, but then that transition. So beyond when school was on break, then I'll be doing customer service training because that's also an issue in, in Ghana. Mm-hmm. So I was always looking at these pain points, mm-hmm. things that were frustrating me. Mm-hmm. So I tried to use my tourism background, even though it wasn't E at the time, I tried to use my tourism background to help people with their customer service, mm-hmm. um, especially the hospitality industry, mm-hmm. because I felt that they needed that. So that's how yeah. it started. And then with the British Council's training on leadership, team building, now I was the person training on the British Council's behalf for telcos and, you right. know, just name it. Yeah. And then other doors open, KPMG and Co would also, you know, let me do trainings for them for Vodafone. So that's how I transitioned. And then afterwards, I just thought a lot of people were also trying to reach out to me to mentor them and coach them. But there's only few people or there's only so much mm-hmm. or so many people that you can. So I decided to write a book. So I wrote two books so that the people who ordinarily wouldn't have access to me and the things that I felt every graduate needs to know yeah. that is not taught in the classroom, sure. I wrote a book for them. So okay, and what's the title of that book? It's called Your Degree Will Never Be Enough. Ah, it's a good title. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. The, yeah, the other one is also called The Global Graduate. Okay. Because whilst I was in Ghana, I realized there were more and more people coming into Ghana, non-Ghanians, mm-hmm. and finding opportunities. But yep. people were complaining that there were no opportunities in Ghana. Right. So I wanted to really find out that what was it that these people were doing differently? Because mm-hmm. some of them came as interns for six months. And next thing you know, they've stayed for six years right. and they become directors and managers. So what were they doing right. differently sure. to inspire other people? So okay. the connecting thing is that everyone has to have a certain link to Africa. So I interviewed people who... Uh, all over like the continent mm-hmm. who have come to Africa and found opportunities mm-hmm. whilst others are complaining. So, yeah. So that's what I did. But travel has always called me, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm doing the podcast also. Okay. Um, I write about travel and all of that. So, yeah. And now I educate people online. You're probably wondering, okay, now you're in Iceland. What are you doing with the company? And so I've put things on hold. And I started transitioning by having an academy online. And it started actually face-to-face. The people Mm -hmm. who really want to be globally relevant. And, you know, if companies came from anywhere in the world and it came to Ghana or Africa, wherever, you should be ready for them. They should even have to bring their own talent to the country. So I had an academy where I was coaching people who really wanted to be superstars Mm -hmm. and to be able to take those opportunities. Mm -hmm. So, but now it's online and now I've created digital courses online so that I can be a digital nomad. And now I create courses also. And yeah. So where can, where can our listeners find your courses? I host my courses on Teachable. So 
edamajaho.teachable. It's there. You'll find it. Okay, wonderful. So we'll also put that in the show notes Mm -hmm. for all you listeners. You can be educated on uh, all the ways of global travel and Mm -hmm. those things. Tell us a little bit more about Mm -hmm. what inspired you and your background. So we know you're from Ghana. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about your your growing up in Ghana Mm -hmm. and and how that inspired you to even go and study in the UK. Growing up in Ghana, I grew up with my grandmother for the most part. So my dad used to work in Nigeria Mm -hmm. and he was an accountant in in Nigeria. So we used to spend, when I say we, it was mainly my mother and I and later my younger brother. So we used to spend a lot of time in, uh, in Nigeria. Then my dad went on to the UK mm-hmm. to study mm-hmm. and my mom joined. We lived with our grandmother oh, okay. um, for the longest time. In Accra. In Accra. Mm-hmm. Yes, we lived with my, my grandmother in Accra. So my parents were now living in the UK. But yeah, of course, they split at some point. So I actually wanted to go study in the US. Oh, okay. As you know, most Ghanaians <laughs> say that they want to go to the UK, US, or Canada. But then right. my parents said, well, if you come to the UK, we'll pay your fees or, you know, <laughs> we'll help contribute. Sure. And my dad always said, oh, actually, coming from Africa and then going to Europe, then America will be more ready for you. So that was the plan. And so I ended up going to the UK. My dad always told me, if you can afford it, go to the best. And at the time, my school to this day is the number one school for tourism in the UK, University of Surrey. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to go there because the books that I read whilst I was studying in Ghana were written by professors from that school. So I decided to go there. And then they were teaching anything E-related at the time. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to do a master's in in any generic subject. So. That's how I ended up in the UK. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea of the um, e-tourism, mm-hmm. that's basically where the age we're living in, oh, yeah. right? Like everything yeah. is yeah. e. So from all these travel sites and all this, mm-hmm. so you basically were on the, yeah. the front end of understanding yeah. what that's like yeah. and how it really is mm-hmm. translating. So in terms of trends with the industry, how have you seen that grow or evolve, particularly with regard to travel in Africa? Mm. I think that Africa is, when it comes to technology, is always sort of leapfrogging. We don't get to go through mm-hmm. the various stages of technology. And also with mobile being at the center of a lot of things, Africa is, yeah, has leapfrogging. They're trying to adapt because back in the day, I mean, it's even unheard of to think that you use your credit card to pay for something online. Now people do it without even, you know, thinking sure. about it. And to think that people would even have their homes or Airbnb and yeah. stuff like that. So I think technology has opened a lot of things up for people, not just people in the industry, but also everyday people who mm-hmm. want to do things. So technology also is getting the word out more because mm-hmm. Before, people always assume that, yes, Africa is a certain way. And yeah, there's a cliche that we live on trees, everyone is poor and, you know, stuff like that. So I feel that technology helps us to tell our own story. Mm-hmm. And an individual can own a platform, whether it's YouTube or Instagram or Twitter, and create whatever story they want to share with the world or even a podcast, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that technology has sort of helped shape the narrative or is helping shape the narrative i think so yeah Mm. so that kind of inspires people to be a little bit more involved or interested yes and and gives them the capacity actually yes yes Hmm. now we're at the why the where 
mm. portion of our conversation. Yeah. And so you've come to Iceland. Mm. How did you come to be living and working and playing where mm. you currently live? Mm. Like what, what inspired this move okay. to Iceland? I moved to Iceland because of my, my partner. Mm-hmm. The first time I came to Iceland was 2000 and 2013. Okay. Um, I was actually visiting a distant relative here and I was going to be the godmother and she was named after me. So I came ah. for the christening, but I, I knew my, my partner before then, 2012. But when I came to Iceland, there was one time that I took a hike mm-hmm. somewhere in a lava field and there was something, I could feel the air go through my lungs right up somewhere. And I made a mental note that I could live here. Even if I didn't know anyone, I could live here. But beyond that, it felt like I had been here before. Mm. It's something that I cannot explain. Mm. And I've never, ever wanted to live anywhere. Never. Mm. Like, I, I never wanted to leave Africa or even leave Ghana. Yes, I want to explore the world. I want to see as many countries as I can, and I continue to do so. But I never, you know, I, I, I feel that Africa needs me. I never thought, mm, I'm going to, you know, so it was just that. So I said, hmm, if there's anywhere in the world I could live, Iceland could be it. Apart from Ghana, Iceland could be it. It was something. It just sure. had a hold of me and that, that evolved. And at that point, you'd visited how many countries? That was, You've been to a lot of countries. Um, at that point, I think I'd probably been to maybe 30-something countries wow. at, that, at that time. Sure. Yeah. So it was very surprising. And I didn't even really know a lot about Iceland. But I also don't know if it's because... I studied geography. I always uh-huh. joke that I don't know how the hell I got an A in advanced level <laughs> geography when I didn't see all these things they were talking about, about volcanoes and lava and yeah. all of that. So I was just really fascinated by the nature. And mm. there's something I say, I see God here. Mm. I really see God in mm-hmm. Iceland. Not that I don't see God in Ghana. I mean, being Ghana, you know, it's, sure. yeah, we're very, very religious and spiritual in that sure. sense. But maybe it's just the nature. I just see how things are the contrast is just vast and then having transition and doing a lot of things digitally that also gives me you know room to really operate sure. like wherever as a digital nomad got and, it and the internet i don't have to worry about internet so. yeah makes life easy <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So that's interesting being here and seeing the land i can i kind of so i grew up in colorado mm-hmm. so me and snow we're not strangers I mean, mm-hmm. everyday snow is a little different mm-hmm. because colorado has mm-hmm. 300 days of sunshine so mm-hmm. so it's a bit different but i i can definitely understand the air mm-hmm. like the feeling of that air and feeling like the elevation of like just mm-hmm. being in a different kind mm-hmm. of nature as as what attracts you before that, and I, I used to be asthmatic. I'm not saying there are no asthmatics in, in Iceland, uh-huh. but I used to be asthmatic and I have, you know, asthma attacks like all the time. Uh-huh. The slightest thing would sure. trigger it. Sure. You know, maybe the dust, I don't know. Yeah. But here, I barely even catch a cold. Ah, yeah. You know, yeah. so I think that was the first time in my life that yeah. I, after I'd hiked, I wasn't wheezing or anything, but it was just fresh, mm-hmm. like air. So maybe that was it. I, I get I it. Know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that could be it, definitely. I think it's a definitely a special place. Like I learned yesterday as well that the land was formed by just these continuous erupting mm-hmm. volcanoes. Mm-hmm. So just the idea that fire yeah. has borne this ice. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's kind of amazing. Okay, so 
Tell us a little bit more about what you hear. This is our Glocal Speak question. So I ask for a word or phrase or saying that is a meaningful part of your local experience and why or how you came to value it as Glocal Speak. Oh, there's a phrase that for me, even though I'm in Iceland, I actually carry my phrase from Ghana with me. Mm. So it's not something that I've particularly adopted because I'm always on the go and moving between countries. And so I don't think I've chosen one thing about Iceland in particular, that would be my local speak, Mm -hmm. but I can share the Ghana one with you. Sure, sure, whatever. Yeah, but because I carry Charlie Gobi Ah, with me. Okay. Okay. I carry Charlie Gobi. Yes. Yes, you know, and sure. you see, you are laughing because we know what Charlie means, like yes. Charlie Ego B, because no matter yes. what comes away, it would be, it will happen. So yes. wherever I am, I carry that with me. Okay. That, yeah, things will work out. It would sure. be, yeah, Charlie Ego yeah. B, okay. no stress Ego B. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting to say that because I've obviously, when I was in Ghana, a lot of my guests are Ghanaian. Mm. And I would say that's probably Chale is one yeah. of the most common yeah. local speak comments, which is, and but you added the ego B and that, yeah. that really, <laughs> that uh, finesses it a little bit. So, okay. So that's, that's great because yes, it is. I think in this past, now it's kind of beyond the return is mm-hmm. now the, mm-hmm. the name of it. Yes. But in the year of return, I think that it's, there's definitely this whole global movement mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. let's go to Ghana yeah. so mm-hmm. I think it is local speak now yeah. because everyone knows Chale Chale yeah Chale yeah. Chale go be go be don't worry sure, <laughs> sure sure we didn't speak much about your your podcast so let's talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about mm-hmm. you know how you came to get into the podcasting space mm-hmm. how you went about developing it mm-hmm. and, and what mm-hmm. uh, yeah. is about right so it was quite a, a long process mm-hmm. to getting to do a podcast because here I am, multi-passionate about things, knows about different things, different experiences. And I originally wasn't even going to be a travel podcast. Hmm. I was thinking, should I do something on graduate development? Should I do something on transitions? Because Icelanders are masters at, you know, transitions. And your previous guest said that about mm-hmm. how, you know, they're like a Swiss army knife. They can do multiple things. Mm-hmm. So I was going through my own transitions and I was thinking, should I be interviewing people who have gone through these transitions and how they've done it. Mm-hmm. That was the original idea. But I wanted something bigger. So beyond that, then what? Mm-hmm. But I looked at my own experiences as a global traveler and I didn't find a podcast for me. Sure. I listen to other podcasts, people talk about travel and all of that. And people are always asking me about travel tips, mm-hmm. you know, and how I'm able to travel to all these countries. And I even know people who've done more yeah. on an African passport. Sure. So what is it? So it was... An intersection of two things, a podcast for people like me, mm-hmm. people who want to see the world, but they have the challenges of traveling on an African passport. As a black person, you can have an African passport from the Seychelles or the Mauritius, but mm-hmm. you have access to all of Europe. Right. You know, you don't need a visa, but right. my reality is different from that kind of African. Right. So that was that. And then also, I, I've had a lot of encounters on my travels where the first African people, other travelers have really interacted with. Mm-hmm. I remember being in Sweden and uh, a Japanese lady I met said, oh, you are the first. You're so nice. I didn't think that Africans were this nice. You know, I now feel like I came to Sweden because of you. 
Wow. Yes. I met another Japanese girl also in Rwanda and she didn't know anything about the genocide museum. She was just traveling. Yes, she didn't. Wow. Yes. So I felt that I was, even on my travels, I was still educating all these people. So I thought, okay, if you want negative news about Africa, it's easy to find. But how about I help change the narrative. Mm -hmm. So my podcast is for two kinds of people, the African who wants to travel the world and then the non-African who is curious about Africa and they want to know more. So I bring other Africans on. I bring people who are passionate about Africa. They might not necessarily be Africans, but they've been on the continent and they have something to say, objective, positive, the hassles, everything, the reality of it beyond what one media is is telling you. So I decided to create something I couldn't find for me. Sure. Uh, So yeah, so that was my process and how I got to the podcast. Okay. I must say though that your previous guest helped me. I know Jules, she helped me a lot. Okay. A lot, a lot. Well, that's why we're all here to help each other. Yes, of course. (laughs) course. So you just started. Who's been your most interesting guest so far? Ooh, this is a tough one. A tough one because I actually interviewed about 20 people already mm-hmm. that is scheduled to come mm-hmm. up. I've mm-hmm. only, as we speak, is on the fifth episode. So sure. it's difficult to say because they all bring something different okay. on board. But when that changes, I'll let you know. Okay. Now we have what I call the mindset hack. Mm. So I asked my guests for your favorite or an innovative mindset hack that you can imagine or one that you actually know of. Mm. So my favorite mindset hack would be, actually it's two, but it's connected, would be being an essentialist mm-hmm. and a minimalist. Mm-hmm. So essentialist in the way that I prioritize and I say no a lot. Like, why am I doing this? You know, it has to be really essential mm-hmm. because as I told you before, I was super multi-passionate. I want to do everything, but being an essentialist also helped me focus that, okay, this is important, this is not important. Mm-hmm. And that sort of indirectly also feeds into being a minimalist. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to be like a hoarder with get, I had the most amount of shoes, the most amount of bags. I have all of it in every color you can name, mm-hmm. but I'm a minimalist. It doesn't mean I'm not stylish still. I'm still, sure. am, but it keeps my life focused and simple. And I save a whole lot of time. Right. By, you know, okay, I know this is all I have. Like, not because I'm traveling, even I'm traveling around the world, but even being here in Iceland, between Iceland and Ghana, Mm -hmm. all my clothes will fit into a suitcase. Wow. Yes. Wow. And this is coming from someone who used to be a hoarder. Wow. Yes. So (laughs) getting to that point, how did you come to that revelation? Because I think it's very interesting because hoarding, I want to say that hoarding is a very... I don't know many Ghanaian families or African families mm-hmm. or parents that don't have a hoarder. Ugh. My mother is one. Yeah. You know, she has, oh, I'm going to give this to that person. I'm yeah. going to give this. So she has rooms of yeah. stuff that is supposed to go to someone else. Mm-hmm. So it's fine because it's thoughtful, but to the extent that it may never reach that person, yeah. it's the time it yeah. takes, you know, like you say. How did you yourself get to the narrowing down of it all? I think I was just overwhelmed by the stuff. Oh, okay. You know, there were times mm-hmm. that I had to prepare and go for a training. I've ironed my things. I know what I want to wear. Mm-hmm. And I'm still thinking, oh, no, maybe I want to change mm-hmm. this. Or even coming to the process where I want to choose that five things that I had to wear for a training. And it was just overwhelming. The stuff just overwhelmed me. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, I don't need this. And then I realized that there were things that I was going back to 
that I loved. And I, I also realized it doesn't have to be a special occasion. It doesn't have to be a favorite. Every day is a special occasion. What am I saving it for? Right. You know, why? Why did I buy it? Exactly. Why? And I tried an experiment where I used a bag for a whole month. To this day, I just have one handbag. <laughs> From about 60, I have one handbag. Sure. So I just thought, okay, I really clearly, I don't need that. And just yeah. going through things and think, oh, I had this before. The memories will always be with you. Right. And if it's important, you will remember. If it's not, just let it go. Mm -hmm. So that's how I came to it. It wasn't easy, but I started. But also I realized I had a lot of young people in my life that I could also potentially bless with what Mm -hmm. I had. And they were all still in really good condition, you Mm -hmm. know, not a ton of things. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I just thought, why not? Mm. Okay. So you're (laughs) being generous with yourself and others. Yes. Good. That's awesome. And I guess what I would think is that mm. part of that is mm. that you're a traveler. So mm. especially now when you have to oh. pay for bags. Oh, I know. missed a flight one time because of that. I was in Amsterdam. Someone was supposed to, I was just supposed to give something to a friend's sister. And she mm. said, oh, come stay with us. And I stayed with her. She said, is that all you're going to Ghana with? I'm like, yeah. And then she said, oh, but all that luggage, what are you going to do with it? So yeah, she packed stuff <laughs> for me. We're supposed to leave the house at a certain time. They said, oh, no, my husband will drop you. It's okay. And then we got caught in traffic of all the days. I wow. got there, checked in, went to the counter to check in the oh, bag. Wait. And then there was the self-service machine wouldn't take my bag because the size was an odd size. It wouldn't work. So I had to go join the regular queue to have that done. And everyone is in a hurry. Who are you going to say I have a flight to catch? By the time I got there, she said, yeah, I know you checked it online. But if you didn't have a luggage, you wow. know, you would have just gone. So I missed my flight and I had to pay 150 euros and I had yeah. to stay overnight. A friend came to pick me up. It was just a series of lessons. We had to go to his apartment. Luckily, I called that friend a day before so he knew I was in town. Sure. I had just 30 euros on me at the time. So between my friend coming to pick me up and this is another thing, I had to wait till my friend closed from work. So mm. I missed my flight around 2 I was just waiting at the airport. So my friend came to pick me up after seven, Mm -hmm. went to his apartment, five floors, carrying these bags. Next day did the same thing. And I told myself, I'm done. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good lesson. So I told myself I'm done. And it's helped me. There was a time I was traveling across Africa and I had this ambitious goal of doing 12 countries in a month. Yeah. And I did it with just a backpack. Wow. And I still came back with little, like, you know, tops that I hadn't worn. I'm like, okay. And that was actually the final strap. Like, okay, I traveled 12 countries in a month. I still came back with things I hadn't worn. You've got to go. So that was it. So what were those 12 countries? Like, did you stay to one region or were you? So I actually, it it was a zigzag. You ready? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I I started from Kenya. Mm -hmm. From Kenya, I went to Rwanda. Rwanda went to Tanzania. Tanzania, I went to Uganda, mm-hmm. from Uganda to uh, Mauritius, from Mauritius went to Namibia, Namibia went to Botswana, from Botswana to Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. from Zimbabwe to Zambia, and from Zambia, I went to Mozambique, mm-hmm. from Mozambique, I went to Swaziland, from Swaziland, or Etetswani as they call it now, from yeah. Swaziland to um, South Africa, yeah. but most of that was by road. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So from yeah. the whole leg from Namibia all the way was by road, except okay. between Zambia and Mozambique that I flew, but it was also by road. So even wow. from 
from Mozambique to South Africa was also by road. Yeah. yeah. And how are those roads? South African roads, fantastic. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. South Africa, Mozambique, Swaziland, they are amazing, yeah. beautiful, great. They drive a little crazy sometimes. The speed limit is a, a little crazy, yeah. but the, the roads were great. Okay. Yeah. So it was more, so you might have had a little bit more challenge in the Rwanda. Rwanda, no. Okay, so those I flew in between. So the first leg of the trip, I flew. It was, yeah. Okay, but in Southern Africa, the roads were were good enough. Yes, were good enough. Um, Botswana was a little tricky. I was quite surprised, you know, the way Botswana is being hailed. I was quite surprised. There were, you know, a few potholes here and there. Yeah, but otherwise, yeah. Wow, so of those countries, which was your favorite? Rwanda. Rwanda, Namibia. Okay. Okay, maybe those two, Rwanda, Namibia. Okay. Yeah, but Rwanda... Uh, Kigali. Well, I was just in Kigali, yeah. but it's just the cleanliness, yeah. you know, and the people were nice. I wanted to think of what they've gone through and how they've turned things around. Yeah. So Rwanda and then Namibia. So it would be two. Sure. It looks like I'm picking two, two things. I can't stick to one. <laughs> and Namibia, because I always wanted to see the dunes, you know, as a mm-hmm. level of geography and it was just beautiful. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, Namibia is on my list for this year. Oh, so you, we'll see. you would love it. Yeah. You would definitely love it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Adam, we're at the end of our conversation. Mm. Thank you so much. Oh, thank it's been you so insightful. Like, I love the travel me. conversation. You've had thank great you things to me. share. So one last question mm-hmm. before we depart. Mm. I always ask my guests a question about themselves. Mm-hmm. And so let me ask you this. What are you watching these days? What am I watching this days? Is it just watch? No, no, listen. Watching? Um, okay. So since you, <laughs> since you mentioned listening, you can, you can also yeah. listen to your listening. I'm not watching a lot. Maybe every now and then the odd YouTube video to learn something, to okay. learn mm-hmm. uh, skills connected to digital marketing or something. Okay. So what are you yeah. listening to? I'm listening to a ton of podcasts. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be getting a lot more into yours. I've, I've listened to a few episodes, okay. so I'm going to get into okay. into that. But I love the Ed Milet show. Ed Milet? Yeah. Okay. Ed Milet show. Okay. Yeah, it's good. And Optimal Living Daily. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and a number of them. So it's quite, quite well. And uh, 10 Minutes to Less Suffering. 10 Minutes to Less Suffering? So, yes, 10 Minutes to Less Suffering. So, okay. Yeah, it keeps the anxiety at bay. <laughs> in, in 10 minutes? Yeah, that's in 10 good, minutes. That's good yeah. to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we'll add those to the show notes as well. Those are good tips. Any last words for our guests? Ooh, the world is not as, as big as we think. I think, they, I mean, your listeners already know that we are as connected as, you know, as ever. But I feel that we, sh- we should really aspire to stay globally relevant and the tools and resources are right there at our fingertips and mm-hmm. we can do that wherever we are. So great. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. So, Global Citizens, that's it for my whirlwind trip to Iceland. <laughs> I had a great time visiting with Adam. Remember, you can catch us each and every Tuesday with a new episode. And you can always find us on GlocalCitizensPod.com, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. So until next time, bye for now.